When we live in fear, we become a church that is like a haunted house. We become stuck inside with the shutters drawn. See, fear makes the church an inward-focused house rather than an outward-focused light on a hill that proclaims the good news of a Savior who came to die in our places. We become dim and dark, closed off, the opposite of what the church is supposed to be. And so this following, this series is going to discuss the purposes of the church. We're going to discuss overcoming fear of the unknown, overcoming fear of, of pain and dealing with our stuff and dealing with our own trauma. And, and we're, going to, we're going to talk about the fear of being effective followers of Jesus Christ. If we're honest... We are afraid a lot of times to share our faith. I'll admit it. I've been in situations where I I was nervous. I've been in situations where I didn't know what to say. I've been in situations where I felt like they're going to ridicule me so I won't say anything. And so we want to overcome fear through looking at this series so that we don't become A haunted house where people are nervous to come in because they don't know what's inside. And so we want to, we want to proclaim the light of God from us. Amen. And so we want to declare to this city, to this community, and to this world that there is a lighthouse that exists and it is the church of Jesus Christ and we're just a branch of it. And so we want to proclaim to everybody who walks past this church and walks through these doors. There was somebody who came last week. She said, I got off the bus and I heard the music inside. So I decided to come in. And so that's, that's our hope is that, is that people would hear the sound of the glory of God going forward and they would be confused and say, what's going on in there? Let me go find out. But if we're like a haunted house, people won't come in. If we're all dried up and scary and, and, and afraid to engage and interact with people, guess what? People won't come in. They won't hear the sound. They won't hear the gospel be proclaimed in song and in sermon. And so what we desire is we desire to be effective followers of Jesus Christ in this world. Amen. Here's how we're going to do that. We're going to have a healthy fear of God. That's my title for today is a fear of God. Hey, there we go. Oh, listen, I had almost given up on (laughs) y'all. (laughs) <laughs> hey, we we in the room today. All right, all right. So we got to have a healthy fear of God if we're not going to become a haunted house. Join me. Let me get my Bible together. Um, join me, and y'all, please pray for me up here. I am doing bad. Like, my voice is just shot. Uh, so <laughs> it's a lie. I love Nakia's banter with me. 
It is the best. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book in. Okay? Number five. It's part of what's called the Pentateuch, right? The five books of the law. Okay? So it's the fifth book. So you go Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Go ahead. I know. Y'all tell me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. So stately. You get a mint, Tom. <laughs> a church mint. <laughs> Turn, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. If you don't have it, you're, if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here for you on the screens. Hear these words of our Father. <laughs> says, the Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord, our God, for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Father, bless your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today, speak mightily, speak loudly and clearly, God, so that we might hear you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that as we sit underneath the word, God, that we would sit with expectation. God, let us expect to hear a word from you today. And so, Father, I pray, God, as we proclaim the words of life from the scripture, God, that we would anticipate growing, that we would anticipate being developed, that we would anticipate being encouraged and strengthened by the word. And so, God, I pray today, God, that as I, as I speak, God, that you would stand in my body today, God. God, I pray that you would stick through my mind and speak through my mouth and through my vocal cords, God, which are a little bit rattled. So, God, I pray, God, that, that as I do that, God, that that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, and who I place all of my trust. And the whole church said, Amen. So, listen, I know I bargain with y'all a lot, but I really need you to talk back to me today. Um, help me <laughs> today. <clears throat> so, a, a man hid for 32 years. Some of y'all aren't 32. So you can't even imagine somebody hiding for 32 years. 32 years he played hide and go seek by himself. (laughs) So for 32 years, he hid. Fearing the punishment of pro-Nazi wartime activity, it said that he used to cry when he heard happy voices outside. But he dared not show himself, even at his mother's funeral. Janez Roos was a young shoemaker when he went into hiding at his sister's house in June of 1945. He was found years later after she brought a large supply of bread near to the nearby village and said, if I, hadn't, if I had not been discovered, I would have remained there in hiding For the rest of my life. Can you imagine? Throughout those years, listen to this very carefully. He did nothing. He did nothing. 
He never left the house and could only look down at the village in the valley. Here's what happened. Fear made him an ineffective human being. Fear, which was very real for him, caused him to be an ineffective human being. So my main idea is today is that we can overcome the ineffectiveness of fear when we set our hearts on the fear of God. See, we can overcome the ineffectiveness of fear when God's purposes and unfailing love are our focus. See, the only thing we should fear in reality is God himself. And this is a good kind of fear, the kind of fear that flows not from terror, but from respect and all. So as we look through this series, I want to help us to navigate the ineffectiveness of fear and overcome fear as it is necessary for us to do so if we are going to proclaim the purposes and unfailing love of our God, we cannot be crippled by fear. And so here's my first idea in verse uh, number six. I want us to, to, to note this. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 24 of chapter six. He says that the Lord commanded us. See, I want to submit this to you is that the commands of God free us from fear. Come on, people of God. The commands of God free us from fear. See, the word here, uh, it, it, it can suggest to appoint something or to constitute something. And I, I want to walk you back a little bit so you understand the context of this passage. But I want to make very clearly that the commands of God give us life. See, the, the world believes that the commands of God are restrictive and draining us of life. But that's just not the truth. See, the commands of God actually give us new life. And so as we look at this, I want to walk you back a bit to understand the context of this. In, Matthew, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, he says here that if only they had such a heart to fear me and to keep all my commands always so that they and their children would prosper forever. See, there is blessing attached to obeying the commands of God. And that's why we don't have to fear is because as we approach this life and as we go throughout life to serve Jesus and to walk with him, we understand that there are promises connected to us obeying and fearing our God. We spent 21 days in prayer and all we did, we prayed through the promises of God. I adapted a little thing from John Piper where he listed all the promises of God and we just prayed through the promises of God. Because I wanted our hearts to be stirred and I wanted our hearts to imagine what it would take for us to obey the commands of God if we understood that there were blessings attached to it. See, the world would make us believe that there are chains attached to the commands of God. And that's not so. 
There, there are no chains attached to the commandments of God. In fact, uh, you, you'll find out soon like it, that when, when you obey God's commands, that there is beauty inside of walking with him in the way that he commands you to. I'm watching for children here. <laughs> but listen, married sex is the best kind of sex. Come on, married people. It, it's the best kind of sex you can have. When it's done inside of the context and beauty and holiness of how God commands it to be, uh, well, people who are running around being promiscuous, guess what? They're not happy. They're not happy. They're unhappy because they're chasing after something that God only promised within the confines or the boundaries of what he has set up. And so when we see those people chasing and running after bed after bed, guess what? They're unhappy. They're not filled with the blessing of God. And so the commands of God give us life. He, he, he's this, uh, this second giving of the law. That's what Deuteronomy means. It is the second giving of the law. He's sort of laying out. It's like a commentary on the rest of the law. That's what it is. And so he's laying out for them. And so he jumps up in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2. He says, do this so that you may fear the Lord. Your God, all the days of your life. By keeping all his statutes and commands, I am giving you. Watch this. Your son, your grandson, so that they may have long life. I grew up in Camden, New Jersey. And so part of the narrative of my story is that I've watched a lot of people die. I've I've witnessed a lot of friends losing their lives. Uh, I've even witnessed it right in front of my face. And the the narrative of of my story is that uh, when between the ages of 21 and 23, I lost every one of my father's siblings except for two and so the narrative for me was that the lifestyles that were lived by the people in the community in which I was raised it it shortened their days and so what we have to understand as we proclaim the good news of Jesus to a world that is hurting and lost, we proclaim life to them. It's not some strange sentiment that I'm talking about. Like, I'm not talking to you about, like, some ethereal sense of life. We actually proclaim life to people. The choices that they make, the decisions that they make, produce the length of their lives. I watched as, and I love them dearly, but I watched as uncles drank themselves into a grave. I, I watched as aunts, they prostituted themselves into a grave. And I'm not telling us that to disparage them, but I'm just letting us know that 
that's the reality for us outside of life in Christ. When we don't adhere to the commands and obey the laws of Christ, it leads us to that place. And this is not no gloom and doom sermon, but I'm just letting us know that adhering to the commands of God lead to long life. I love the story of Chuck Smith. He, he started Calvary Chapel in California, and he, he preached. I remember I used to listen to him on the radio. The dude was 90-something years old. I mean, he was 90-something. And he was on the radio. Listen. <laughs> On Sunday, he was on the radio. Monday, he died. 90-something years old. Sunday, he was on the radio talking about the goodness of God. And Monday, he went on to see the goodness of God. And I'm just letting us know that obeying the commands of God and, and having a fear of God, guess what it does? It leads us to long life in which we get to be beacons and heralds of the gospel until the day that we die. And I pray that for all of us. I pray that one day in like 50 years, this church would be filled with a bunch of 80-something-year-olds and 90-something-year-olds who are worshiping Jesus alongside of some 20-year-olds and some 30-year-olds. See, he tests, the test uh, for us in the fear of God is in how we look at the statements that he makes. The test for us of how we fear God is based on how we look at the statements that he makes. Let me help us. Where my reading and English folks at? Where y'all at? Make some noise. Some teachers. Where y'all at? Okay. Hey, hey, hey. I got a couple of y'all in here. I, I know it. <clears throat> there are four types of sentences in English. Four types. Y'all mind if I teach for a second? The first statement is known as a declarative statement. Y'all know I love nature shows. I was watching them all day yesterday. I just was. If you came to my house, I was watching them all day long. <laughs> Where's Tiffany? Not here. Tiffany came to our house yesterday, and she's like, Pastor Derek. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm watching a fishing show. And so what a, a declarative statement is like this. We're fishing. I'm just letting you know or declaring to you what's happening. That's the first type of statement. And God makes those kinds of statements. He tells us different things in that way. He declares certain things to us. Then there are interrogative statements. An interrogative is a question. We're fishing? So you got to have the right inflection on your voice in order to differentiate between the sentences and the interrogative and the declarative. You have to have the right inflection. I remember, babe, who, who, which one was it? Was it Nas or Maya? They used to go, I don't like crabs. <laughs> Was my son? <laughs> we would be we we we'd be in the backyard having crabs, busting them down, going in, and so he'd be walking up <laughs> like this. He'd be like, "I don't like crabs." <laughs> we <laughs> it was in the form of a question, 
but it was actually like, hey, yo, <laughs> I want some of them crabs. <laughs> and so the, the interrogative, right, it, it helps us to, 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 to ask questions. We're fishing? Then there's the exclamatory sentence. That was me in August when I got the opportunity to go to Montana and I went fishing for the first time in my whole life. I was on that boat. We're fishing. (laughs) We're fishing. Like I was so hyped. I wanted to exclaim it in the river. People were looking at me weird. (laughs) Like, yeah, duh, we're all fishing. (laughs) And then there's the last sentence. The last uh, type of sentence, and that's the imperative. An imperative is a command. That's when I look at my, my friend and I go, we're fishing. You know, like Debo. He says, it's my chain, right? That's an imperative statement. It's a command. Like, he, he, he didn't ask a question. He wasn't saying, is that my chain? He said, that's my chain. And we'll know to give it to him because he didn't want to get beat up by Debo. Y'all understand. But the imperative, here's what it looks like. What happens is, is that when we don't have a healthy fear of God when we confuse the statements of God between being interrogative versus being imperatives. See, when, when, when we get mixed up with the fear of God is that we think that he's asking us questions when really he's giving us commands. And so when we start to see God, the words of God as commands, as imperatives, when God tells us to not do this, it's for a reason. He's commanding us because he knows what's best for us. So we're not being locked down or chained up for any reason. God is giving us commands, one, because he created us and he's the ruler of us all, duh. But also it's because I know what's best for you. The, 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 the very implication of me having created you is that I know what's best for you. Parents, where y'all at? Come on. You tell your kids, you're not going to that party. That's an imperative. And the reasons don't matter is because I said so. And the reason I say so is because you don't see as far as I see, and you don't know that sleeping with that girl is going to get you tripped up in something later that you won't be able to get yourself up out of. I'm going to go. Y'all want to hear it. Y'all want to hear See, we got to understand that The words of God are imperatives. He's commanding us. Now you can get into the nuance of the Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff like that. And there are different breakdowns about the imperatives and all that kind of stuff like that. But take this for a cue. You don't even got to learn Greek. Ready? Everything God says is imperative. (laughs) It's a command. Uh, Just take it. You don't even got to parse it, figure it out in the Greek. It's a command. Don't worry about it. Y'all, y'all Greek students, look at y'all. Y'all killing it. But watch this. I want to paint this picture for you. Let me help us. In John 21, in John 21, verse 5, that tea is cold now. Um, 
He tells, <clears throat> this, the context of this is that Jesus had risen from the, from the, from the grave. Amen. That, that's good news. Come on. See, Jesus had rose from the grave. And so he's appearing to his disciples. This instance in, verse, in chapter 21 is the third appearance that he's made to his disciples. And so in verse 5, he says, friends, he called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? And they answered, no, we don't, we haven't caught nothing. Then he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they did. Now, if they had sat there and contemplated whether or not that was a command or, or whether or not that's something they should decide on or have group think about, like they would have missed out on what was getting ready to happen. So he said, so it says that they did and watch what happened. They were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. And the disciple, it says, verse 7, the one who Jesus loved, I love how John refers to himself, he says, the one who Jesus loved, <laughs> I was like, I'm, uh, I'm mother's favorite. <laughs> he, he said to Peter, watch what he said to Peter, after he received the command and he saw the benefit and the blessing of obeying the command of God, he said, it is the Lord. And see, there are times in your life where you've just got to recognize that it is the Lord. <laughs> there are difficulties that you've went through that you've got on the other side of. And the only way that you got on the other side of it was that you had to recognize that it was the Lord who was working out his purposes in your life. So he says, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord... He had tied his outer garment around him because he had taken it off while he was fishing. And he plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish. See, when you obey God... <laughs> He promises us, he, talks, he tells us that, that, that there will be blessing that's attached to it. See, these disciples, they, they had more fish than they were able to haul on their own, and they had to go and gather other people to bring in the fish that they weren't able to carry in. Thank you. How did they recognize that it was Jesus? Because they couldn't really tell, when you read down in the passage, they couldn't really tell because at this point Jesus has a glorified body and he's going around and he's showing himself. And so they couldn't really tell. How did they recognize that it was him? I'm glad that you asked. They recognized that it was him because in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, it says that when he had finished speaking, Jesus was, was speaking to the crowds and he was talking to people and teaching the word of God. He said to Simon, who was one of his future disciples, at the time he wasn't his disciple, but he was going to be his future disciple. He said to Simon, he said, put out into the deep water and let your, and your, and your nets, let down your nets for a catch. Now, Peter, who was Simon, who was watching Jesus teach, he said, Master, We've worked hard all night long, and we've caught nothing. 
But if you say so. Oh, come on, somebody. But if you say so. He says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And see, sometimes you just got to have a if you say so in your spirit. Sometimes you just got to respond to the Lord and say, God, I don't understand what you're talking about. This doesn't make any sense to me. But if you say so. If you say so, God, I'll let down my nets. If you say so, God, I'll walk away from this job. If you say so, God, I'll walk away from this relationship. God, if you say so, I'll let my nets down. And it says when they did this, they caught a great number of fish. So much so that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to the partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled up both boats so full that they began to sink. What God wants to do in your life through your obedience to him will overflow to other people in our community. And it will be so full that it will start to rip the nets and sink the boats of people's lives. So where did we understand and they won't be able to understand. I don't know what God is doing in my life, but ever since I've been around the people of God and ever since I started obeying the commands of God, my life has been different and things have started to change in my life. The thing that drives away fear from our hearts is that God will do the same thing, but in a different way. See, the reason that they were able to recognize that it was Jesus is because he did the same thing that he did early when he first met Peter. But he did it in a different way. See, the reason why we even deal with fear in life situations is because we're looking for God to do the same thing in the same way. Oh, I feel like preaching. See, the reason why we even have to deal with fear is because when our bank account gets low, we start to look to God to answer the problem in the same way that he did it before. See, before, he sent somebody to drop a couple dollars in your pocket, and you didn't even know. They just walked up and said, hey, you know, God told me to get this to you. Boom. And so you're looking for that. You're like, geez, I'm broke. (laughs) Help me out. I didn't go to Financial Peace University this week. Help me out. (laughs) And so you're looking for somebody to come and drop something in your lap. And then the bills get due and you start to get afraid. You start walking in fear. Saying, God must have left me. God's not with me. I'm broke. God don't care about me. He don't love me. Jesus, do you love me? He don't love me. Like, that's what happened. I was trying to pull that back in, and it wasn't working. (laughs) But we look for God to do the same thing in the same way. And we freak out because he's not doing the same thing in the same way. See, Maybe the next time you're broke, God don't want somebody to put some money in your pocket. He wants to send you a refund check from an overpayment on your mortgage in which he deposits it into your bank account. And now you have enough money to pay off your mortgage for the next couple of months. Maybe 
God wants to heal your relationship in such a way is that this time it doesn't take the person coming to you apologize. But now God said you go and apologize and then that will make things better. So you want to see God do the same thing in the same way. And guess what? Scripture tells us his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And see, our fear comes in when we don't know what God is up to. That's when fear comes in. But I'm here to proclaim to you anyway. Cast your net on the other side. See, when, when, when you are struggling and you don't know which direction to go, just cast your net on the other side. See, when you're struggling with difficulty, you don't know what's going to happen. And that business idea that didn't work the first time, guess what? Cast your net on the other side and God is working in your life. See, that nonprofit that didn't get off the ground the first time, guess what you got to do? You got to stop. You can't just stop because of fear that it won't work again. You got to keep pressing and just cast your net on the other side. See, we got to have a different type of spirit when it comes to fear. Because God has not given us, y'all can finish it, the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That just means that you don't freak out and go crazy at the, at the sight of everything. That means that you have a healthy mind. You're stable. You don't go berserk when challenges come. God is like, didn't I just, like, didn't I just feed 5,000 people? <laughs> did you see what I did? Like, did you see how I made that? Uh, the little boy only had two fish. Did you see what I just did? Now you're some boat crying. Like, what's wrong with y'all? <laughs> that's, that's how I imagine Jesus talking to us. <laughs> You'd be like, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all good? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about y'all sometimes. <laughs> but see, fear, the fear we need is not a fear of finishing. We don't need a fear of starting over. We don't need a fear of failure. What we need is a healthy fear of God. And see, fear of God, this is my next idea, will cause us to follow. Verse 24, he says, the Lord commanded us to follow all these statues and to fear the Lord our God. See, the problem with fear is that it causes us to freeze up. You have multiple responses to fear, fight or flight, and all that kind of stuff. But reality, the majority of the time, is that when we face fear, we freeze. And see, the word for follow here, it, it, it means to observe. But it also means to do or to act with effect accomplish something and so the problem with fear is that it causes us to freeze up and when we have fear here's what happens we become inactive we say you know the publisher rejected my manuscript so I'm just going to stop writing the book the the record label didn't like my song so I'm just going to stop writing. Fear causes us to become inactive. And inactivity 
always leads to ineffectiveness. You cannot be effective if you are not active. You cannot be effective if you're not pressing and working towards what God has called you to work towards. We think stuff's just supposed to fall out of the sky. God, I want to be an influencer for the gospel. Help my Instagram page grow. But you'll never comment on nobody's stuff. You'll never like nobody's posts. I'm going to tell the story. I'm trying to be careful. There was a girl I know who wanted to, she wanted to be homecoming queen. And she said, I'm going to be homecoming queen. And I was like, cool. Um, everybody else is hanging up flyers and doing videos to promote them being homecoming queen. Where's your flyer? Oh, I'm not making no flyers. Okay, um, you going to make a video? Like, because they'll let you do the video on the school channel. Like, you can do it and it'll broadcast. No, I'm not doing that. I'm like, all right. Um, how are you supposed to win? She's like, well, people should just, just vote for me. I was like, you don't even talk to humans. <laughs> You don't even talk to humans. How are you going to be homecoming queen and people are just supposed to just vote for you? You don't even speak. People walk by. And she said, I'm going to win. Guess what happened, y'all? She didn't win. Y'all was about to say she won. She did not win. <laughs> Look at y'all optimists. <laughs> oh, my God, she won. No, she didn't. <laughs> she did not win. She lost so bad <laughs> that she cried. No all, ain't no all. She should have hung a flyer or a poster. She crying. You ain't advertising nothing, but you want to be prompt. You know, I just want to be homecoming queen. Like, like fairies supposed to come and help you be homecoming queen. Nah, you got to do some work. <laughs> Put in some effort. All the other girls was up there putting up their little signs and all this stuff, going around handing out buttons, talking to people. And she just said, people just going to vote for me. No, they didn't. Sorry. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> but here's the sad reality of it, though. It gets worse. As a result, that young lady stopped believing in God. She stopped believing in God for years. Said God was supposed to make me homecoming queen because I asked. And if we're honest, some of us are mad at God because God didn't do something that we thought he should do in our lives just because we asked. There's some relationships that didn't work out in your life that you're mad at God about. But you didn't put any of the work in to make it work. There are some things in your life that didn't get produced and you're angry at God because he didn't produce it. When God says, I want you to be able to do it, you, you, you just got to do it. 
you got to be active. See, the fear of God will cause us to follow. Again, that word means to act with effect. And when we fear God, it causes us to be effective. So it says here, if we, he says, in verse 24, he said, the Lord God, the Lord commanded us to follow all these statues and to fear the Lord our God. The statues are something, it's something that is prescribed. It can be a prescribed action. It can be a prescribed limit or boundary or task. And see, uh, when we look at the commands of God, we see, we have to see them as daily prescriptions for us. And so God prescribes things for us to do. His prescriptions are, are going to keep us, watch this, if they will keep us healthy. So when God says, don't do something, it is for your health. When God says, stop looking at those things on your phone when you think nobody else is watching because it's doing something to your spirit that you cannot undo, he's letting you know it's for your health. And so what we won't do is we won't submit to the fear of God so we don't follow. Psalm Psalm 19.9 says, the fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. If, if, if you're looking at your life and seeing things that don't seem like they're reliable, it's probably because you're not adhering to a healthy fear of God and following his commands. And so he says, fear the Lord your God. This, this fear, though, I, wanna, I want us to understand it's not, it's not terror. It's not, oh, my God, God is coming. Now, you'd be wise to have a healthy level of some of that stuff. Like, there's certain things that I won't do because I fear God. And I know, and I still believe, that God will get you. <laughs> Listen, I grew up in a church where every couple seconds, if you weren't living right, God was going to get you. You know what they used to, it's so funny they used to say, like, you we walk in and somebody scare you, and you'd be like, That's because you're not living right. <laughs> it's like, huh? <laughs> I just got scared. <laughs> you startled me. <laughs> but listen, I'm t- I still believe some of that stuff. Gotta get you if you're not careful. And that's not because of the terror I have of him, but that's because of the reverence that I have for him. That word for fear means to stand in awe of something. <laughs> And see, we have forgotten what all looks like. See, we are so equipped to swipe up and swipe left and swipe right that we have lost the ability to stand in awe at things. We go to places like the Grand Canyon, and instead of standing there and standing in the all of it, we've got to pull out our phone to make sure we get the right filter on so that people can see that we were at the Grand Canyon. We have to develop a sense of awe again, where we can stand in the presence of God and understand that he is an awesome God. That's what awesome means, is that he is full of awe. And so we got to stand in awe of him again. We have to reverence God. There is no honor and respect for God in our culture. 
And the primary reason is because we don't stand on our convictions as believers in Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of noise going around this week about the boy who hugged his, his, his brother's killer. And people got a lot to say about that. I can have a lot to say about that. But what I, I want to say in front of us, so we have perspective, is that if the love of God is being displayed, then we ought to be folks who champion it. Amen. Secondarily, if justice, if injustice is being displayed, we should be people who speak out against it. Because God is a God who hates injustice, but he loves forgiveness. So the reality is, as Christians, we got so sucked into this idea that we have to be either or. I got to be Democrat or Republican. Listen. It's not the reality. We, we represent a different kingdom. We've got a different government that we submit to. And it is the theocracy of Christ that we bow our knee to. And so when difficulty comes and we see injustice, guess what? I'll stand up against injustice. And guess what I'll do too? I'll love the forgiveness that's going on because I can do both. I don't got to be on one side of the issue or the other side of the issue. I can be and. You can be and. We need some and Christians who will stand flat-footed and proclaim that that is wrong and that's wrong too. And the fear of God will do that. It says, Job 33 and 7, I got to close. I got to shut this down. He says, fear of me should not terrify you and no pressure from me should weigh you down. Here's my last idea. Is that the fear of God causes us to prosper. He says here, verse 24, he says, to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord our God for prosperity always. See, the fear of God is for our benefit. And the word prosperity means our bounty or our wealth. So the fear of God is, all, is for our benefit. Watch this. He says, for your prosperity, some of the time. That ain't what it says. It says, for your prosperity, when you feel like following it. Don't say that. It says, it is for our prosperity Always. There is never a time when fearing God doesn't benefit us. There's never a time when fearing God doesn't benefit us. And it's for our preservation. That means to be restored to life. I want to close just by reading this song. Psalm 27. Says the Lord is the light, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread?
when evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumble and fail. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. For a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. One thing have I desired from the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on his beauty, seeking him in his temple, for he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent and he will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. God is by our side. We have nothing to fear. Father, I pray that you would help us to have a healthy fear of you. And God, as we approach difficulty and challenges this week, God, I pray that we would recognize that you are with us so we don't have to be afraid. Fear only causes us to be ineffective. And so we want to walk in the effectiveness that you've called us to. And God, help us to learn from the model of Jesus who was going through agony as he approached the cross. So much so that he sweat blood. Yet he surrendered himself to say, not my will, but your will be done. God, help us to have that same spirit as we approach difficulty, God, and you called us to do difficult things and say difficult things to people and walk in difficult things. Not our will, but your will be done. It's in the name of Christ Jesus I pray with thanksgiving in my heart, knowing you will do everything you said you would. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray.